Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show episode 16. This is the year in review New Year's show. Yes, we weren't on last week with Christmas week. Yes, I'm saying Christmas week because anybody with families and significant others know that not much else is going on that week except that. A little bit more free time coming in here leading into New Year's Eve, but we still want to get you guys a show since so many others are off. We wanted to be here to give you guys more contact, more info. Um... I'm here with Mike, as always, Mike Copenhaver, don't cope at Don't Cope Just Win. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. Pleasure to be here. Now, if you notice a little bit of sound update, we're finally updating all the quality. I actually finally got an actual mic, so if I'm sounding clear and smoother and more even, finally got one. Um, we're going to do a brief review of UFC Busan, South Korea, now that's as long ago as it was being the last event of the year. I know PFL is still happening on New Year's Eve, but I didn't really want to record post that on New Year's Eve. So (laughs) we're doing this now. Uh, And we could talk about that in the next show because we will be doing a show next week as well on our normal day, our normal time. So UFC Busan Review. In the flyweight division, Alejandro Pantoja beat Matt Chanel by KO in the first round. Tanner Bozer actually lasted to the bell, and Cyril Gane got that Gane, sorry, got that decision. Kang got a split decision over Pingwan. Park got a decision over Mark Andre Barrow. And my bet went up in flames as Da Un Young KO'd Mike Rodriguez in the first round. He looked absolutely awful. Terrible bet on my part. I apologize. There's some light at the end of the tunnel as we get up to the higher on this fight card. Charles Air Jordan uh, was the biggest upset on the card at a plus 245. Du Ho Choi got KO'd at the very end of the second round as he has seemed to stall in his development as a fighter. Now, we're actually spending a little bit more time on the co-main event and main event since the other ones were so long ago. The co-main event was... Alexander Rakic, he was a minus 150 favorite against Volkan Ozdemir, but it was Volkan Ozdemir who pulled off the split decision. Uh, Mike, did you agree with that decision? Were you on the other side? How did you feel about the fight? Um, the fight was uh, really good and entertaining. Rakic's got some really good striking, and uh, so does No Time, but I, I, I thought Rakic uh, should have gotten that split, but I mean... You never know nowadays with these judges. I can't trust them or get a feel for how they're judging these fights. And so whenever they go to the judges nowadays, I literally just flip a coin because I can't tell. No, I hear you on that, especially the sheer amount of split decisions show even the refs do not agree. Um, If my Twitter sphere is any semblance of the wider uh, MMA agreement, most everybody had it for Rakic. Um, Ozdemir, when he goes to decision, apparently goes to split decision, and sometimes they go his way, and sometimes they don't. Um, most people thought he beat Reyes, and he didn't get that split decision, so it comes his way here. I guess it's karma to a degree. Now, to an actual entertaining fight, for as long as it lasted, um, uh, Chan Sung Jun, the Korean zombie, uh, decent-sized favorite, finished Frankie Edgar in the first round. Now, this is only the second time that Frankie Edgar has been finished. Yes, that one wasn't that long ago, but before that point, he had never been finished his entire career, now getting finished twice in his last four fights. Sorry for the long pause, but it was just a beautiful combination of striking from the Korean Zombie, and before I talk about it, I'm going to throw it to Mike because Mike actually had a bet on this one, an official bet on the podcast. And how impressed with you, how impressed were you with the Korean Zombies striking and uh, 
I don't know, just his finishing ability. Well, I was super impressed with uh, his striking, but what I was really, really impressed with was his uh, his takedown defense and his sprawl. Um, you know, Frankie Edgar is you know a world class wrestler, and to see uh, Chan Sung Jung, uh, the Korean Zombie, be able to you know uh, stuff Frankie Edgar like that, and so his takedown defense was just uh, beautiful. He looked like he was in tremendous shape. And, uh, I, you know, like you and I talked about when they announced this fight, I didn't like it. We love Frankie. No disrespect to Frankie Edgar. Uh, he's a legend. I, I just I wish that they would give him better fights. This is not these aren't them. Him, Corey Sandhagen would have done the same thing. And um, I just it, it was obviously I'm, I'm excited for the fans who cashed the bet for me because I picked it. Um, but I was sad to see Frankie get slayed like that. But uh, Chan, uh, the Crane Zombie was amazing. And you hate to see it because you almost wish the UFC had a little bit more of a smooth sailing retirement plan. I don't even necessarily mean a retirement plan, but you get the old veterans that kind of have an easy going of it, like three or four smooth fights, and then occasionally you could book them against a uh, harder opponent here or there, but they don't do that. They throw names against, I mean, I wouldn't even say Zombie's not been covered because he's been around forever, but like like Sanhagen, just throwing them against these young lions that are going to take him out. And, I mean, I know a lot of people were confident in Frankie. They like him in the underdog spot. And uh, normally I would absolutely say yes, but I guess it's official that Frankie's chin isn't what it was. Finally, all the damage that he's taken over the years has put enough wear on it. Uh, he still has a decent chin, but he can't take the hard-headed shots he did before. And I know we talked about how susceptible he is to that uppercut when he's going in with the just the, the boxing where he goes side to side and his arms are apart. It's just right there, and he just can't take it anymore, which obviously is sad for those who are Frankie fans. And But, I mean, kudos to Zombie. So, I mean... Where do you see Zombie going forward? Would you like to see him get the next title shot? Or would you rather have Holloway get the immediate rematch? Or is there a third person at Featherweight that you would like to see against the newly minted uh, Featherweight champion, Volkanovski? Uh, well, well, this this weight class has uh, a heap of contenders. So I, I, I'd like to... Obviously, I'm biased because I love Holloway. He was a champion for so long. I, I would like Holloway to get his rematch. The The fight wasn't as close as I would like it to, so I could I could also would like Max to get some time to heal up. Maybe uh, the Korean Zombie versus someone like Zabit, um, I believe is that same weight class. And the, uh, some, something like that would be really entertaining. Um, but I, I w- I'm not going to be mad at any of the fights they're going to make because they're going to be madness coming up. No, I would love to see really just a beat in a five-round fight at all. So, I mean, and if you want to put the Korean Zombie in there, I'm, I'm all for that. I love me some Korean Zombie, and I think he would munch up Zabit like there's no tomorrow, and we would probably get a really good price on a Zombie. Um, talking about an event that's actually a little bit more recent. This past weekend at uh, Bellator 237 or Bellator Japan or whatever they're calling it, Um Fedor Emelianenko KO'd Rampage Jackson to begin his farewell tour with Bellator. If you haven't heard his last contract, he's referring to as a farewell tour, and he's planning on hanging him up at the end of this contract, even though he's already hung him up at least once. But there's enough heavyweight names to finish off his career, either with some nice wins or some tragic losses. Um, Rampage came to the fight in A-shape, he Not in fat. shape, but he, came so shape. Fat. Oh, he was he was so fat. <laughs> Heavyweight rampage is next level because it's one thing when Bader says, "Hey, I'm gonna fight at heavyweight." Bader comes in at like 235, still has a six pack, just murking people. Rampage, I'm pretty sure had to cut to make the limit, and for a long time, 205er that is just incredibly embarrassing. Um. A lot of people have talked about, I'll bring this up as a question and I'll throw it to you before I give my two cents on it, but the big thing that um, 
I'm seeing is people saying if it's a fix or if it's not a fix or the more my personal opinion is just lazy rampage. Where do you fall on fix or no? You know, it's a it's a tough one for me because he's so fat and out of shape. I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he just couldn't handle it anymore. But as I go back and I look at the video in slow-mo. I mean, you can clearly see that the the right, I believe it's a right hook, comes around and hits Rampage on his his defense is up, and it hits him on the on the wrist, in the hand area. So it wasn't it wasn't his chin or this equilibrium on the temple. It wasn't. It, it just it, it seemed really weird, uh, but I don't know, man. It, it, Bellator is special, so I, I that's what makes it fishy. No, I agree with that, and it being in Japan and. Any Fedor fight, especially ones where he wins, are sometimes a little bit iffy. And I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm chalking up a lot to just it being Lazy Rampage, who was not in any semblance of a shape for this. Which, which makes me laugh because I had seen uh, some photos of him training with T.J. Dillashaw uh, in California, and you're like, oh, okay, well maybe he's, he's finally taking it seriously. And then you see him in the weigh-in, and oh, my, my favorite uh, thing that I mean, I've been saying since. Rampage first came in and started doing heavyweight. When he first joined Bellator, he did all these promotional photos, but that was still when he was a 205er. They're using those photos still for every <laughs> fight that he's in. So you see a po- you can you can go look at the uh, Bellator 237 poster and you see 205 ra- Rampage. And then you see him actually fight and it's 265 Rampage. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to chalk as much of it as I can to Lazy Rampage because at least in the UFC, when he was lazy, he still worked out hard enough And since the UFC was not going to let him fight at heavyweight. But him getting the okay to fight at heavyweight at Bellator has seemed to made him resemble Plato more. <laughs> and uh, I guess my, the, uh, the meme that's going around now is... Uh, and if you can go back far enough that when you watch one of the times where Rampage was a coach on Tough, there was a not a heavyweight, but just an overweight guy who fought at heavyweight that he would call titties all the time, and <laughs> they're all making jokes that you, you make fun of a guy long enough, eventually you'll find yourself there, and he was definitely there this past weekend. Um, so for the rest of the show, we're going to do a combination of two things. It, it's, it's somewhat of a New Year's end-of-the-year award show, uh, it's going to be our first ever, so th- there will be some the bumps along the way, but you know what? We're going to trudge forward, and we're going to learn from this to make it even better come next year. But uh, we're going to do a little bit different than most people do, because obviously we give out picks. It's a betting podcast. So this isn't just going to be knockout of the year, submission of the year, ups of the year, event of the year, fighter of the year, fight of the year. We're going to do all those things, but we are also going to do worst bet of the year, best bet of the year, and then future bet, like the one that we're really excited about. There's enough numbers that have dropped or enough fights that have been announced that we have some stuff going on, as well as strategies to get a better number on some of those. So to start that off, we're going to start with the thing that's going to be the gut punch, the thing that's not going to feel too good, because we're hoping to go with the not feel good part right now and can end with the feel better part later. But you know, we're going to start with the worst part. We're going to start with the worst bet of the year. This is our personal worst bets of the year, bets that we gave out to you people that in hindsight was just a bad bet. We overlooked something or something came up. I will go first was I bet pretty big on Darren Wynn. I was completely sold that he was DC's little protege and he was going to wrestle and he was actually going to do what he was supposed to do. And then he lost a split decision to Darren Stewart. Speaking of titties. Yeah, speaking of, I know. A guy <laughs> who should be a welterweight, if not lower. <laughs> um, but I thought, oh, it's fine. He's the DC's proportions. He could have DC's style. But apparently I transitioned too much of DC's skill on this guy. And it was just a bad bet. Not necessarily for the number. He was, uh, I think, minus 125 when we gave him out. But more the amount I put down on him because I was so confident yeah, well, that confident cost me, and I apologize it cost you. So, uh, Mike, what was your worst bet of the year? Uh, my worst bet of the year would uh, have to be Gregor Gillespie. Uh, I mean, I, I just everyone knows if you listen to the podcast that if you got some D one wrestling and some or some really good jujitsu, that you pretty much have my vote for you in the fight. And uh, I, I was just just a friggin' sheep with wool over my eyes and. 
I was so blind to the fact that Kevin Lee was going to whoop his ass, so I uh, max bet him and uh, ate shit. So I, I, I definitely learned from that, and I did. Look, we've learned from that already because there's a couple times where I haven't maxed bet and or I've scaled down the bet, so we didn't uh, have any problems. Yeah, and I didn't do well at dissuading you from that bet because I remember you and I, when that fight got announced we were talking so much smack about Kevin Lee and how Gillespie was going to take him out. Like the moment it was announced, we were like, Oh, this is a foregone conclusion. This is awesome. I can't wait to get a good number. And then we did. We're like, Oh man, he should be way bigger of a favorite than this. And he's just- at, while he's at TriStar <laughs> training while we're talking shit. Oh no, I, absolutely. But I think our, uh, deflection of that. And it's true in most cases is usually your first training camp. You don't usually, do so well and you don't quite gain everything from that camp but i guess we were so used to kevin lee not actually committing and like overly trying and giving himself fully to a camp that we just thought was a foregone conclusion and now apparently he found the best possible camp for him and he's gonna go around smacking some people around i will give it to gillespie though Regardless of what anyone says, because I've heard people say otherwise, and they clearly weren't watching the same fight, he actually looked really good on the feet. A little bit hesitant, but he was landing, he was doing well, but then, yeah, man, Kevin Lee just has that power. Gotta use he's wrestling. so fast. Gotta use wrestling, dude. I, know. I don't know why he didn't. I think he would have just smushed him if that was the case, but, oh, uh, well, moving forward, we know, and trust us, we for sure won't be betting Gillespie the next time, because we also have a rule about someone who's just been viciously KO'd, but, um, so, a little bit happier of a note, on a little bit happier of a note, our best bets of the year. Now, my best bet of the year, these best bets, they're not necessarily uh, the biggest dogs we hit, or they're not necessarily where we put the most money down, but similar to the worst bet, the worst bet was more like you were completely off on something, and you saw something, you didn't see something that everyone else saw. This is the opposite. You saw something that not a lot of other people saw, they're both going to be uh, underdogs for, the, for, our, for our best bets. But for me, it was Jared Cannonier. I got him at plus 195 versus Jack Hermanson. It was when Jack Hermanson was on the rise, and everybody and their mom was all on Jack Hermanson, and they just thought this was going to be an easy fight, and he was going to start sailing towards the title shot. And I saw some with Jared Cannonier, and I really thought he had the power to be able to put him out and stay on his feet long enough. And he did. He looked phenomenal. And that plus one ninety five was the biggest underdog I hit all year. And, and Bob st- was Bob was spot on on that one because I, oh, I I was just I couldn't believe it. But I mean I was I believe in Bob so much that I didn't I didn't dissuade dis- him from it. I I can't say that I hundred percent believed in it, but I believe in Bob a hundred percent. So I you know if you look on the podcast, I backed him a hundred percent, and he, dude, just Bob came through huge on that. Man, I don't know, man. Now I mean this is not. We're not jumping to the future bets part because I don't know if this is going to be a future bet, but I'm also might be so high on him for how much money he won me then, but I'm liking his chances against a freshly KO'd Robert Whitaker. They're doing that fight in uh, March, I believe, so they don't have uh, odds on that yet, but hey man, pirate power, Mr. Pirate over there. Um, so Mike, what was your best bet of the year? Um, it would have been uh, George Gamebred Masvidal when he defeated uh Darren Till, not many people believed that um, a smaller George Masvidal could take out um, a bigger Darren Till. But if you know George Masvidal and you're watching him in the streets, he's been fighting with, excuse me, big guys since ever since. So, you know, guys like Ray who were outweighing him by 25 pounds, he was knocking him around. And so I believe I got him at plus 180 was the, the number I got him at. And uh, I just I just knew that he had the heart and the boxing to make me look smart, and uh, it was a great fight. And but it was definitely a close one. And but George George came through big time. Well, and it's hard for some people if you're listening to this and you're a relatively new fan or you have short attention span like most of us MMA fans do. You don't remember that how much hype Darren Till had. And even going into that fight, I mean, yes, he was fresh off uh, the title fight loss to Woodley, but people were still so high on him, so, so high on him. And Masvidal just took the dude out. And what another thing, you'll notice this later on when we talk about Masvidal more later on in the show, but what so many people don't understand 
is how much smaller he is than so many of these people he's beating. Yeah. Obviously, he's, he's not a tiny man. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But the fact that, I mean, I don't know if he could now. Maybe he would top off at maybe 160. But the fact that he consistently made 155 for so long and that he could. Like, some of these guys he's fighting, there's no way they could ever do that. Like, he beat Till. There's no way Till's making 155. Never. Oh, never. And so many other people he's fighting, there's no way they're ever making 155. So it's just, and the fact that he's putting them out, it's just... Another feather in his cap. Now, before we sing his praises too much, trust me, we'll do it plenty later. <laughs> uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is Future Bet. Now, Future Bet is something that is currently announced. Uh, at least the ones we're talking about already have odds out on them, at least a couple books. But the Future Bet or bets that you're really looking forward to making. Like you're chopping at the bit for it and maybe even get some early action. I mean, those are very limited amount of money you could put on those but there's two that i'm eyeing and for dip for different reasons uh the first one is on the upcoming uh mcgregor versus cowboy card roxanne matafari is fighting macy barber now macy barber has been crowned the future of the division and she's undefeated and she wants to be the youngest champ and all these things uh but roxanne matafari is a plus 625 underdog versus a green but very talented athlete. Now, this would not be the first time that Matafari played spoiler with a little bit of veteran savvy and made the fight ugly. And I think she has a chance to do that. Um, now, I'm, the two fights I'm going to bring up, this is the first one, and there will be a second one. This one is strictly based off, I think, the insanity of the odds. This is not going to be a big bet because she's plus 625. Uh, it might at most be a unit bet, but if that cashes... That's 6.25 units, and I think she has enough veteran savvy. She might actually be able to pull it off, uh, especially for Barbu, who hasn't faced the biggest amount of competition in the weight class. So I, I, I like my chances there. And then uh, the second fight I'm looking forward to uh, betting in a bigger way, like putting more money down on, is Dan Hooker is currently minus 130 versus Paul Felder. Uh, for this matchup, I'm crazy high on Hooker. I think that... Paul Felder, as much as everyone's talking about how much he's evolved and all these other things, I don't really think he has. He's basically the same fighter for the most part. He's uh, improved a little bit, but Hooker has grown by such leaps and bounds, especially jumping to 55. He's filled out more, and he's training with such great guys with Adesanya and Volkanovski and all that stuff, and... I, don't know, I just see him utterly demolishing Felder, and it's probably going to be a bigger bet for me. So those are the two bets I'm really looking forward to in the future. Mike, what is your future bet, and how do you feel about mine? Um, I like both uh, your bets. Uh, Roxanne is a, obviously, if anyone knows women's MMA, she's a real dorky girl, but she's crafty and has some some pretty slick jujitsu. She's a, a tough out, and for the number that Macy's getting, it's it's pretty disrespectful to a, a, a veteran like her in women's MMA. So I, I definitely like the chances there. And then uh, Dan Hooker, I'm I'm definitely a fan of, and I love Paul Felder too. But I think that the the clash of styles are is going to be a little too devastating for. Um, Paul Felder, meaning he's going to get cut open or elbowed so viciously that the fight's going to end, or there's going to be blood stop that's going to stop it via cut. I just, I just think that Hooker's a great bet there, and that's one of my picks as well. So I'll double and piggyback on that right here. And then my other one is uh, Diego Ferreira. Um, he's going to be fighting Anthony Showtime Pettis. Um, he is a third degree black belt, and his jujitsu is just absolutely disgusting. Um, he also has some really, really good stand-up that is uh, super underrated for a jiu-jitsu player. He's uh, fought with some of the best uh, in, in the world, including uh, the only time, actually his only loss that's relevant recently, uh, last, I think it's five fights ago, was uh, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, which, you know, hits like a Mack truck. And as a jiu-jitsu guy coming into the game, uh, you got to learn a lesson. And that was a lesson he learned uh, being knocked out by Dustin. Since then, he's gone on a, a win streak. He's taken out uh, two Russians, uh, one being Merbak Tusimov, who is in uh, one of my favorite prospects over there in Russia. I, I can't 
tell you enough good things about that kid. I couldn't believe when Diego uh, threw him around for three rounds. And it's it's just Diego's going to be a great uh, pick in my eyes. I can't wait for hopefully the public to show uh, Showtime some love, steam that number, so you and I can get a little bit uh, better number on my boy Diego. And that's where Mike has a good point. Sometimes it's nice being able to know far in advance who you're planning on betting because then you can kind of keep your eye on the odds. Because currently Carlos Diego Ferreira is a minus 230 favorite, but that hasn't done too much moving. It's gone down slightly since the opening at a minus 240. But Pettis is someone that consistently gets betting love especially closer to it, given the name recognition and all those things. If I would have to take an educated guess, I would say you are probably going to be able to get that at under minus 200, closer to the fight. So, I mean, I'm not quite picking off backing off Mike yet, just because I want to see him maybe get a little bit lower, but I do not, not see how Diego Ferro does not win that fight. I'll put it that way. I, Although I've tried to resist it a little bit, because if you've listened to this uh podcast for any length of time or talked with me i think pettis is on the very overrated side um, i've said that many times before and because so many people overrate them you get wonderful spots like this where maybe carlos diego Ferrer should be a bigger favorite or when he fought diaz diaz should have been a bigger, bigger favorite and so on and so forth now uh we're gonna move on to a little bit more of the stereotypical award show now i am gonna list what we see as the options for knockout, submission, ups of the year, event of the year, fighter of the year, and fight of the year. Now, me and Mike have gone through these, and we've also come up with who we have chosen for our personal awards, and uh, <laughs> we will have some backing behind those, because some of them deserve a little bit more explanation. So, for knockout of the year, starting off the year, Cejudo. As his win over Dillashaw at UFC Fight Night 143 when Dillashaw was a skeleton of his former self. Jorge Masvidal hit a flying knee over Ben Askren and shocked the world at UFC 239. Anthony Pettis got a knockout over Wonderboy when he was getting beaten from pillar to post at UFC Fight Night 148. Now, many of you may disagree with this. If you do, you're wrong. Jorge Masvidal was the best <laughs> knockout of the year with his flying knee over Ben Askren. I'm sorry, you can't beat it for style points, for reactions afterward, for buildup, for everything. It's Jorge Masvidal. Mike, tell me about Jorge Masvidal's knockout. Man, well, you know I'm a huge game, uh, game bread fan, and that that fight, the anticipation for him to get his hands on that curly hair, curly cute little freak, I just, uh, I was, I was just, I was so stoked and just, and anti- just anticipating it, and the fact that he, the the bell rang and he just full sprinted across the cage and landed his knee into friggin' Ben Askren's face and then slammed him a couple more times. It, it happened so fast that even I didn't have a chance to lit, to react to the glory of what it was. But uh, after you know you replay it three, four, or five hundred times, it, you just it's it's the most beautiful knockout that I've seen happen in the beginning of a fight. So to me, that's for sure the knockout of the year is uh, George Gamebred Masvidal submission of the year this is one of the few ones where we have an honorable mention uh they will be in the list of the actual submissions but it's honorable mention and we will explain why so for submission of the year we have maya over askren askren over lawler hermanson over david branch who sadly just also got beaten in russia after getting booted from usas but whatever moving on bryce mitchell with his twister now, I know what a lot of shows and a lot of websites and a lot of people are going to be picking. But we didn't go that way. We're going with Hermanson over Branch. The honorable mention is Bryce Mitchell, just the fact that it's a twister. But Mike has a better way of articulating why we chose Hermanson over Branch over Bryce Mitchell. So I'm going to throw it to Mike for this. 
Yeah, well, I, I, you know, the twister was absolutely amazing that uh, Bryce Mitchell pulled off. But remember, he did that versus the hot dog guy from Dodger Stadium. So I, I don't know who exactly the kid was he was fighting. It, it wasn't a decorated black belt. But, you know, when Jack Hermanson choked out David Branch, it was a Henzo Gracie black belt. Something that's so super honorable, one of the hardest things to obtain. And for Jack Hermanson to choke one of them out and to make them tap or is just incredible. So to me, the Jack Hermanson, the Joker, gets the award from us. Well, especially because Hermanson has no jujitsu pedigree to speak of. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure if he has a belt or anything other than just grappling with his buddies right yeah i don't I think know anything he's a pur- else. i think he's a purple belt but still he's not it's not his thing he's like like john jones you know he's a striker john jones i think just barely i think he i don't even know if he has a, i think he just barely got a purple so I, I it's crazy when you hear stuff like that well especially i've obviously and again we fanboy a lot out a lot on this show if you haven't noticed david branch has always been one of my guys and I got to give kudos to anyone that could submit him because anytime he has ever been submitted is when he has been outsized, outmuscled, outstrengthed, uh, beaten up a little bit, and then submitted. This one was basically sheer positional, which was utterly shocking. I this was part of this was like the beginning of the downfall of David Branch, in my opinion, at least in the UFC. I mean, well, I mean that's continued against Shlomenko in Russia a couple weeks ago. Sorry, flashbacks. Um, but no, yeah, absolutely going with Hermanson over Branch. Uh, Bryce Mitchell's going to be on a lot of lists. Combination of recency bias and the fact second twister ever in the UFC. I mean, that yes, that's that's so awesome. But even the first one, Korean Zombie getting it over Leonard Garcia is still over a bigger name and a bigger somebody than who Bryce Mitchell pulled it off on. But the yeah, honorable mention, kudos to Bryce Mitchell for the twister, but Hermanson gets it. Okay, for upset of the year. Now, this is just a list of upsets. This isn't the biggest odds upset. This is what shocked you, what you weren't expecting. So some of these odds are a little bit tighter, but so it's not, don't, don't come at me and say, Oh, we didn't have listed one of the bigger odds upsets. I'm like, I I don't care what happens lower down on the card. Sometimes, you know, this is the ones that shocked me or shocked us or shocked the greater public even if the odds were even a little bit on the closer side so anthony pettis went over wonder boy pedro munoz knockout of cody garbrandt anthony but i'll give you odds there anthony pettis was plus uh 358 at close against wonder boy minus 430 pedro munoz was plus 165 at close against garbrandt who was minus 200 and cerrone Although open at plus 135, closed at plus 185 against Alex Alexander Hernandez, who uh, closed at minus 225. Now, I hate to break some of this up, but, you know, I'm not going to pick Pedro Munoz. We're not going to pick Pedro Munoz because, you know, we actually bet on this, that one. If you go back far enough, uh, we bet on that fight because how much we knew Munoz would make Garbrandt do the angry swing and get knocked out. Hmm. <laughs> we weren't as high on Alexander Hernandez, but, you know, what? we knew Cowboy had a chance. But one fight that completely blew my mind, and the only reason I didn't bet it is because the price was so, so steep, was Pettis beating Wonderboy. He was getting beaten from pillar to post, and then he threw a sniper of a hand and took out Wonderboy. But you know what? Uh, thank you, because I didn't bet on that fight, and then I had a good price against Pettis first Diaz. But <laughs> Mike, how do you feel about that knockout? And how do you feel about on a Pettis going forward? And yeah, just overall opinions on that fight. Uh, that fight was absolutely amazing between uh, Showtime Pettis and Wonderboy. I, I'm not going to lie. I gave Pettis zero chances at all to win that fight. I pretty much would have gave him out as uh, Wonderboy as a parlay piece if uh, I trusted Wonderboy, which I don't because um, he's not mean. And I've talked about that many times about there's fighters in the street and then there's just fighters that fight professionally. Um, there's there's like two different type of mentalities. Like George Gamebred Masvidal is a fighter in the street and he happens to fight professionally. Uh, Steve Stephen Thompson's not doing anything for uh, to anyone on the street. He's just gonna wave high and by. 
But um, the fact that he was, Anthony Pettis was literally getting his ass kicked every single minute of that fight until this out of nowhere Superman punch off the cage happened. Uh, it was just absolutely unreal uh, moment. I, I, I loved it. I, I jumped out of my seat. I was stoked. I wish I bet it. I wish I bet it, but I, uh, I, I didn't. Now, moving on to event of the year. These are all pay-per-views because, well, this year the pay-per-view showed up. They really did. In no particular order, UFC 245, Usman vs. Covington, with the three title fights on top. UFC 244, Masvidal vs. Diaz. UFC 236, Holloway vs. Poirier, two. That one also had the Adesanya vs. Gaslam as a co-main event for the interim title. And UFC 235, Jones vs. Smith. I need to get a drum roll effect. I was just thinking about that, if there's a little drum roll right there. But you know, that's fine. It's fine, fine. We went with UFC 244, Masvidal vs. Diaz, the fight so big the UFC decided to make it make up an own belt their own belt for it so Mike where are you on the UFC 244 card which was headlined by the BMF belt uh, man uh, Masvidal versus Diaz was uh, one of my all time favorite fights ever I, I you know we also bet Masvidal I knew that he was going to most likely stop Diaz, and, and I even said it on the fights that because Diaz was vulnerable to cuts and it would uh, sway the judges, that it would end up looking bad for him, and uh, it ended up being even worse than that. So uh, that that event um, couldn't have been any better. And I just I if we could if the UFC could just get it right and do that every single time. I mean, we had Darren Till versus Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, Stephen Thompson versus Luke with Stephen Thompson looking normal and actually look uh, like a fighter. I mean, uh, we got the the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, uh, you know, doing his thing. And then sadly, we, we got Greg the Gillespie getting his ass kicked. But we don't really want to talk about that. Well, and we actually even saw Corey Anderson get a finish. I mean, that alone. Is worth the price of admission. Sorry, I, I enjoyed that one because I was not a big guy on Johnny Walker. So seeing him get taken out in that fight was pretty good. You saw Corey, Corey Anderson was amazing. That oh, fight. he looked so good. He looked like how he should look. It's like that, oh, he Shane, has all the skill to look that way. Shane Burgos was amazing versus Maquan Americani. Well, and we're seeing the the. I mean, it's still early on, but this Edmund Shabazian Shabazian I'll figure out how to pronounce it at some point uh, destroyed Brad Tavares and he's on a similar trajectory they did with Adesanya I mean typically I mean I hate to use say it but they kind of use Brad Tavares as a measuring stick and whenever you move past him especially with some style points they shoot you up pretty quick because they know how tough that Brad Tavares is and this also this was the card that kicked off uh, Yarzinho Rosenstruck's Climb as he took out Arlovsky and then just went against Overeem and should have lost, but then won in the last second. Sorry, that 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 wound is still, that one's still fresh. Um, but we went with uh, UFC 244 for our event of the year. Now, fighter of the year, most every show site article is going to have three people, or at least in my opinion, they should only have three people. The middle one that I'm going to list, we're just going to discount right away because both me and Mike agree that he just... Cringeworthy. Yeah. Mr. Cringeworthy. He got two belts and all that stuff. I get, but like, he hasn't really, he hasn't fought the entire second half of the year. He just relinquished, before the end of the year, relinquished one of those belts. Looks like he's gaining the weight to eventually get the interal 165-pound championship. <laughs> like, he's... And he's it, got the ugliest girls behind him. Well, I, I honestly just think that like Kobe is rehabbing his jaw, so Suhudo was like, I mean, I got some extra money. I mean, I could hire these IG fitness models to come hang out by me for some of my videos. No, not even fitness models. These girls are te- those girls were terrible, dude. No, his, I'm sorry. His, before before we go on with the uh, 
the fighter of the year thing. His last video where he comes out of the pool and calls out Jose Aldo when those girls were there. There was no reason for them to be there. They didn't add anything to it. Like, he could have done his whole entire spiel and it just been him. That's and gross. then someone who hands him the flag. And also, his caught, like, he's calling out Jose Aldo, who just lost. Yeah. Tough he's, guy. he's calling out when Faber said he was coming back. He's calling out Faber. He's calling out all these people that have a little bit of name recognition, but he knows he could beat. He's not calling out the main people. And. I'm sorry. I'm sticking with the fact that he's running away from flyweight because he doesn't want any of jo- Joseph Benavidez and get a second loss from him. I'm going to pe- stick or, with that. Or Petra Jan. He don't want oh, him. him. Just hiding out from all those people. Okay, sorry. Now we'll move back to fighter of the year. But he's on that list. Uh, so we'll go through the list first. Uh, Israel Adesanya. Uh, he went 3-0 and on the year starting against Anderson Silva. He had the fighter of the year candidate. We'll get to that later. Against... Uh, uh, Kev- Kelvin Gastelum, where he got the interim title, and then he took out Robert Whitaker to get the unified title. Henry Cejudo, as we said, was double champ and blah, 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 blah. Okay, now we're going to move on. Jorge Masvidal had a stellar year where he went from hardcore MMA fan patron saint to mainstream star with three finishes so big that they had to give him his own title and those are the three and yes we have a bias but you know what I think he absolutely deserves it our pick is Jorge Masvidal Mike why did Jorge Masvidal win fighter of the year well George Masvidal wins fighter of the year because he has over he's been in the game for over a decade He's been around and fought the the best that there is. And still, I mean, not everybody in the world knew who he was until this year. This year, George Gamebred Masvidal is known everywhere. Uh, Street Jesus, I mean, uh, Miami Scarface is back. I mean, he, he, this guy's the king over there. Uh, it's, it's just ridiculous what he has accomplished this year for himself, um, coming from the streets, coming from a guy that people thought would be sleeping on the streets one day and had absolutely you know little faith in him. It, it's, it's just remarkable to see the year that George Masvidal has had because uh, the UFC at times has not always liked him. He, at times he was a, a gatekeeper and he was there just to, to beat up uh, Dana's uh, you know, hit list. He would be the, the lynch man, you know? Well, and plenty of stories have come out on how he finally turned a corner. I'm I'm happy he's finally going for the kill more, because one thing that kept me from being a diehard Jorge Masvidal fan for so many years was his tendency to let fight gets fights get close, because his defensive boxing was so good, his shoulder rolls, everything like that, that he wouldn't get hit. But MMA judges are so bad that the other guys are throwing, so they're scoring for him. So he lost all these split decisions that he shouldn't have lost, in my opinion. So his record alone should be much better than it is. And then he just had such a stellar year. All finishes, crazy knockouts, finishing people that don't typically get finished. Just, uh, he had a year you couldn't beat. Um, so finally, we're going to go for fight of the year. Some people end with fight of the year. We're going with fight of the year because this is the fight sport. This is the most important thing. This is why we watch fights. It was for the fights like this. Every fight on this list was phenomenal. These were our two favorite, not two fights, but the two of us, our favorite fights this year. Um, Going off first is Gastelum versus Adesanya. That was for the interim title. That was on the same card as someone else on this list. The very next people, Holloway versus Poirier 2. That was Holloway jumping up to lightweight, going for that interim title against Dustin Poirier in a rematch of a fight that they had at 45 years before. Romero versus Costa, where Costa won. You can't see me, but there's parentheses there. I thought Romero won, but still, fantastic fight. Plenty of Romero-style things happening there. And then finally, one of the more recent fights, uh, Usman versus Covington. Now, again, don't have a drum roll. Work on that in the future. We chose Usman versus Covington. Mike, why did we choose Usman versus Covington? 
Oh man, well the the hype leading up to the fight and the the hate and separation that just uh made the anticipation grow as we entered the, the fight week and then we got to the fight and then we saw two absolutely world-class wrestlers end up just striking it out for an entire five-round session um two of the, in, in the third round uh colby broke his jaw and still kept fighting for us fans and just showed you the heart of uh a man because a lot of t- it's <clears throat> it's crazy that a lot of people would have quit right when that jaw was broken especially when it got hit two three more times after so i i just think that that was the the fight of the year was watching those two bang it out and watching all the feud kind of uh get settled or put to to rest i know that uh, a lot of people are going to like uh gaslam versus i did too i thought it was wonderful but uh, i just usman covington did it was just amazing yeah one thing we talked about me and mike going into this was things around just the fight obviously depending on your particular taste in what happens in a fight you could have picked any of these four so we went beyond that. We went against, we went with the buildup, the stuff going on around it. Like similarly, we talked about the fight of the year with Jorge Masvidal, or the UFC 244 having a pay per view and, and a whole made up title just for that, and the stuff going around with Pettis. Like it's it's more than just like the singular fight. It's everything that was built up around it. It's bringing in the the Trump family. It's Usman saying that he's the true American dream and like just all the back and forth, all the build up. They were been supposed to fight for the last two years. And one thing I do appreciate that I've heard said, and I would agree, is this is pretty much 1A and 1B of the division. I can't imagine we don't see these guys fight, provided that they stay relatively healthy, two to three times over the next four or five years. And if they're all just as good as this, this is going to be quite the trilogy that I can't wait to see. I love both these fighters as fighters. Uh, I think that they have just look utterly amazing in the cage. And I I think both of them basically demolish anyone else in the division. So there will likely be a rematch at some point. So those were our awards in our first mini award show here. Um, we will have more shows before the Cowboy versus McGregor card because that's not happening until the 18th. So we'll at least get one, if not two shows, in between now and then. We've talked about breaking down, going into the rankings and our feelings on them and stuff like that. If you have anything specific or ideas you would like us to cover, both of us always answer uh, DMs or other messages. I guess I didn't say at the top of the show. Uh, I'm at MMA State of Mind on Twitter. Uh, Mike is at Don't Cope Just Win. Uh, and also the MMA for Money main official Twitter account. Any of those, feel free to DM or send a message. We're always willing to hear that. Also, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes. So happy to be back on there. We thank you for all the additions that happened after the last pay-per-view event. We're still coming out with great content on YouTube. Uh, If you want to listen to the entire show on there, it's on there. Also, our wonderful producer, Super Tipstar or Tippy breaks down and cuts it up so that if you just have one fight of our that we breakdowns that we had that you want to go through, it's there. If you want all the fights put together, it's there. If you want just the review, it's there. If you want just the preview, it's there. Just the breakdowns for your own convenience is all right there. We would appreciate if you would subscribe to that YouTube channel, like as many videos, watch as many as you want, and enjoy. Have a happy new year. Have a happy new year's eve. Party. Don't drink and drive. Do you have anything to say to the people before we head out, Mike? No, I just hope you guys have a wonderful new year. Uh, We can't wait to start this new year fresh as a team. Uh, Bob and I together with a clean slate, new podcast, new everything. Just him and I so we could just have a nice new record. We'd also like you to go to MMAformoney.com. Go get yourself a sports subscription for NFL. I know uh, he's prime as the man when it comes to playoff and postseason football, baseball, and NHL and so on. But uh, NFL's here. NFL postseason is here, and you want to be on the train when he keeps coming because it is comes in boatloads.
Absolutely, especially when you follow him all year, you definitely get your money's worth, especially just with NASCAR. Um, We look forward to having a whole year with you guys, not just truncated version at the tail end. New year, new us. Enjoy tons of stuff coming from here. And as always, love talking to you guys on Twitter. And let's roll.